0: Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show.
1: Moving iron in the 21st century. Oh. You'll find us here, moving Iron
0: Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets from Chip Nellinger. Chip, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you doing, Casey? Doing good, man. I have the pleasure to be at the uh, Blue Reef Agri Marketing World Headquarters World here. World Headquarters, we're doing it live. Doing it live. So it's uh it's that's a very rare occasion that I actually get a have someone on my podcast that so actually sits across from me. So, Chip, it's a pleasure to be it's here. It's kind of neat, kind of a yeah. different, uh, different for me too. Yeah. So, it's cool. So, the markets are, man, we've lost about 30, 40 cents over the last couple of weeks on corn, beans, everything's kind of just been in that. We're kind of in that, feels like we're in some kind of like minutia. kind of can't really get one way or the other. Yeah. And, we're kind of in a, a dead zone, no yeah. man's land. Yeah. It's, a it's a weird place to be. And, uh, there's a lot of, lot of uh, information out there that wants to lead everyone to an upward side of the market, but there's also enough reservations out there with trade and all the other stuff we've got going on that it keeps kind of bringing things back down. So I guess, what's your, what's your take on what we see happening in the market right now, and how do you see that working?
1: Yeah, that's probably a good um, description of, of the market currently. It's, it's um, you know, yields being lower than a year ago. Acreage, uh, you would think, at least I think, um, acreage has a lot to uh, be reduced going forward. Uh, So that's friendly. But then on the other side, demand just stinks right now. We had some some tweets out this morning from President Trump about uh, the, the Chinese not living up to what you know, they said they were going to do as far as buying our U.S. ag products, and maybe they don't want a deal after all. And if they wait till after the election and he gets reelected, he's going to make it even harder on them to make a deal. And so that was taken as, as pretty negative um, as well. There was a, a story out from Robo Bank, some research that uh, 40% of the hog herd in their estimation in China um, is has been liquidated. And that there's no uh, immediate fix of that uh, swine flu problem there, and so that uh, you know kind of leads people to believe that maybe demand on the bean side and, and corn to that uh, to some extent is going to be even lower than what's projected. So it's really a war between uh, the, the the negative people on demand and the positive people on latest planted crop in history. A lot of prevent plant yields are going to be way lower than a year ago. And where that battle, uh, where that war is won, maybe several months off. But then here we're less than two weeks away from the August crop report, so there's there's a lot that's thrown into that uh,
0: that stew of uncertainty right now. So let's talk about that August crop report. We've uh, we've bounced that around here since the. Since the June crop report came out, and we, you know, they waited to, to report some things about it's not being that accurate and what have you. They're going to go back and resurvey everyone and, and kind of get a better feel for what you see happen. Now, the August report is a typically important report, anyhow. Um, as you start looking down the, the path to August, um, I, I guess what are the traders going to be looking for? To to make them change their mind or or they kind of half baked some stuff into this this now
1: yeah so the market usually does a pretty good job of of looking ahead and anticipating where the reports could be I had a, a farmer call me up this morning and he had a question and, and it really sums up what the market is, is thinking he said you know I was listening to some some farm press um, you know media here this morning and that 91.7 um, million acres that they had in June, how much prevent plant is in that? And and that's the question. Nobody knows because it's such. Uh, we're so out of whack because of the late planting. That June acreage report, which is usually supposed to be the final acreage, uh, that survey is taken the first 10 or 12 days of June. Well, at least in, in this area of the Corn Belt. There were millions and millions of unplanted acres that didn't... It was so wet for three weeks, we didn't start planting again until about the 10th through the 13th of June and kept going all the way through basically uh, the first week of of July. And so that's the problem with the market. Nobody knows. And to answer your question, um, there's such a wide variance of opinions that it's setting up for the potential for a big shock one way or the other. Um, If they don't change acres they likely won't change them again, or, or they won't change them again until the January crop report. And so you get the market thinking, yeah, okay, the prevent plant acres are included in there and 91.7 is it. If they reduce it three, four, five, six million acres, that might get the market thinking that um, there's even further cuts to come by the January crop report. So it's, it's always an important report, like you said, but with the acreage resurvey, It's just such a wild card that it really is setting us up for um, a lot of uncertainty and a surprise one way or the other. And that's why I wouldn't be shocked. We're kind of on a several-week low in here. We're um, trying to flirt around with this 420 area in December corn. There's a gap in the chart so far as we're writing or, or, or talking here. That's held. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if you don't. The, the recent high was around four seventy uh, there month, month and a half ago. So it wouldn't shock me uh, if we're not back in the middle of that range going in the report, and then just nobody knows what to do, right? They, if you think corn's going up, you're a little bit nervous. If you think corn's going down, you're nervous. There's no conspiracy in that; it's just the what the psychology of the market. Right. Um, and then all bets are off once they come out with you know whatever revisions they're going to do. So the the um, interesting thing about that is they have said that they're going to do they're not surveying they're not questioning farmers like they did for the March and the June report. They're going to block off one square mile chunks. I don't know how many, not as many as you'd think across 13 states, uh, something like a thousand, 1100 of them and they're going to actually count how many corn acres, how many bean acres, how many prevent plant acres um, and then they're going to use satellite imagery. And they're also going to use what they've said anyway, the initial RMA prevent plant data. Well, I don't know if the technology is changing, um, but I've talked to several producers in Illinois from multiple different counties. And, and if you go into those county offices and ask, they give you kind of a running total. And so, my point with that is with all the technology available, with satellites, they're actually going to visually look at square miles. Um, and the RMA pre plant data, they may be able to zero this in and, um, and, and have a number that should be getting us, maybe not the exact number, but we should have a better feel for what flows. this acreage thing and pre yeah. plants shaken out to be. So yep. it's just going to be a wildly volatile day on the 12th of August, right. no matter what they say. No matter what
0: happens, you're exactly right. So, when you, I guess, this is, for lack of a better term, kind of uncharted water when We start looking at what past... It, it really is. I mean, we're we're dealing with a weather market, but now the weather market's kind of subsided, and we we've moved into a a warmer, drier kind of feel about uh, there now. And it's kind of during pollination, so there could be some yeah some you know inherent risks there when you start looking at stuff. The idea of early frost now is is pretty already yeah. there. You know, our crop that we grow out in my part of Nebraska, we uh, about October fifteenth first part of October, you can kind of start to think about that first freeze, give or take. But if we're already two or three or four weeks behind, we're already kind of pushed that window anyway. So what's that look like? We start thinking about those, especially as you move north into North and South Dakota and Minnesota and Wisconsin and those areas like that in the northern part of the Corn Belt. The idea of some some late frosts really aren't that or early frosts, I guess, aren't really that far-fetched of a thought. Even if you just think about if the dates stay the same and where the corn crop is there could be some there could be a lot more silage cut this year than than corn picked
1: there's so many questions out there the frost is just the start of it I mean that will eventually be a a concern in the market but you know right around here there's I don't I mean arguably 20-25% of the corn belt that just hasn't had much rain if any rain in going on three weeks and now the lucky thing is it's been cool you know we're Nice and cool here, you know, 83, 85 for a high um, and not 95. But there's a lot of real estate that needs rain. Yeah. And so that's going to be front and center. We're spread out on pollination. There's some corn that start early planted corn starting to pollinate. You know, the, the late planted corn is still probably a couple weeks off. So if we don't get much more mo- moisture in this chunk from eastern Iowa, kind of north central Illinois, northern Indiana. Um, you're going to start going backwards on you know, what that late planted crop already has problems from the, the day it goes in the ground and being dry for five, six weeks um, at pollination isn't going to do it any favors, I don't think. So we got a lot of weather to go through still. Mm-hmm. Frost is going to be there. Uh, you know, there's talk in already areas where farmers saying, hey, I'm not going to throw any more money at this. They're not putting fungicide on. That could be uh, you know, a yield effect. Um, some areas that got planted so late, it was in those producers' minds, it was crop insurance play. And so maybe they're not putting the, the you know, pouring the checkbook at it on the nitrogen side either. There's all those questions out there. Uh, disease issues are popping up. Just when you start with that many problems, you know, that late of a crop, it just, you, you fight it all the way. Yeah. So, yep. and then what's moisture going to be? You know, can we get it to maturity? And are we going to be picking, you know, 38% moisture corn on December 1st, you know? Right. Is it ever going to dry down? Right. So yeah. there's all kinds of issues out there.
0: Yep. So another thing, okay, so let talk about wheat harvest. If you kind of look across there, I think what we're probably close to 70% done across, across the entire wheat run, you know, from the custom harvester perspective and where you're at. My immediate area in, in Nebraska, western Nebraska, eastern Colorado, <coughs> yields have been amazing. I mean, they've had... 100 plus bushel dry land corn all the way down to 60 plus bushel, you know, Uh, a few outliers here and there, but very good, very good crop. Now, some of the negatives of that is that it's probably not the highest protein level in the world. Um, They're struggling to get that protein level where they want it to, but that being said, um, with the problems that we see happening in in Australia, uh, Ukraine, Russia, uh, and those major wheat growing parts of the world. There's a, maybe an opportunity here for wheat to actually rebound and, and, like we've seen earlier this year, maybe be a leader in the market. Yeah, and, the,
1: and the, this, so again, there's a fight there. I think wheat is going to be um, somewhat a, follow, a follower to corn. We're you know, on the downside of harvest. Typically, you get some sort of a, a post-harvest bounce generated. Basis is pretty good, even with a big crop, and our exports have been pretty good um, recently and, and for several weeks in a row. And so there's all these questions out there. It's hard to get good information out of Russia, especially in Ukraine to a lesser extent. But, you know, how big is the Russian crop? They've had a lot of heat in those areas, um, you know, really for a while and some dryness. So I think the way the cash basis levels are and the way that we've been selling wheat here, it's not just like blow your doors off, but they've been pretty solid um, for a while. Some of the better numbers we've seen in a long time as far as our export sales go. So maybe we we do there is some you know some fire with a smoke on maybe a smaller uh, wheat crop out of that Black Sea area and we're going to start getting some exports um, you know generated. Again there's some give and take with that you know lower protein stuff. There's there's some big feedlots that have already started switching to feed co- uh, wheat instead of corn. So there's some substitution going on there from the feed perspective. Because it's more of a feed wheat, uh, some of that uh, you know, than a than a higher protein content. So there's a lot going on there. That kind of plays into what's going on in corn, Mm -hmm. and a lot of uncertainties there as well. Um, Looks like the spring wheat crop is holding up pretty well too. Pretty decent uh, conditions and pretty good yield on a recent uh, the the spring wheat tour that uh, just wrapped up. I think a week ago Um, showed pretty good potential on the spring wheat crop as
0: well. So. Yeah. All right. So it is uh, today is uh, the 30th, and I believe the Fed is meeting today to talk about whether or not they're going to lower interest rates, which they've given every indication that they're going to. Yep. Um, that could have a, an effect on exports when, when you start looking at how that plays out. So there is some upside there, I guess, to what, to what we could possibly see down the road with some exports.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's going to affect the dollar. The dollar's been pretty strong here recently. I think that has more to do with some weakness in um, Europe with this Brexit deal with right. the, the British pound and the, and the euro currency. But yeah, I think the official announcement is supposed to come tomorrow. I right. think they're meetings um, today and, and tomorrow. I think the official announcement is supposed to come tomorrow. The assumption is it's going to be at least a quarter of a point. There's some talk it could be half a point. Uh, some of the recent economic data it has been pretty good with jobs and mm-hmm. consumer confidence and some other uh, economic reports. So um, there's one camp that argues they don't need to cut it at all. Right. Uh, so that again, that's you know sets us up for people that think it needs to be a half a point. People think it doesn't need to be any drop at all uh, for a shock and surprise. Uh, it could certainly have um, a lot of influence on the. Financial markets, the bond market, um, the dollar, and the stock market, obviously, and uh, and that always could affect our grain markets and livestock markets. So it'll be closely watched to see what the reaction is, what they do, what the reaction is to the uh, all those financial markets. But certainly, the the dollar has been pretty strong here, and that's not been uh, it's kind of been a headwind on our our corn and bean market, especially. Because the exports have been so poor recently, so it'd be nice to see some weakness in the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just—it's—it's it's up in the air what the financial markets' reaction is going to be to whatever the Fed does, and yeah. definitely going to spill over. And and and, and honestly, that could have been part of the the weakness this morning. I mean, it was kind of a little bit of a washout earlier right. The the t- tweet from President Trump probably didn't help, but it just seemed like it was kind of commodity wide. So there may have been some positioning here by some big funds ahead of the Fed announcement as well that just maybe they're cutting their risk a little bit. They were long some, some grains and livestock and decided we better run to the sidelines here for a minute and figure out what the Fed's going to do.
0: Has there ever been a tweet from Trump that was that was positive in the market? <laughs> well, the one that he said that China's
1: going to take everything that well, we yeah, raised and more one. was
0: yeah. positive, but I think yeah. that was... The last one, yeah. I think we've, I think we've squeezed out all the. The, all
1: the market it wants action now. Yeah. They don't want tweets. They yeah. don't want um, hope. They want mm-hmm. a deal, and they want to see product on a ship on its way to yeah. China before yeah. they're going to do much reacting. Yeah, there's
0: a there's a big uh, big hurdle to climb there. With, yeah, with that, some of that stuff. I mean, especially with we have these. These swings in the market that we've had there those two week long kind of upward ticks and then we think we're kind of on our way up and then something happens and yeah. we lose all that and we kinda of hover around that that four 420 range, kind of bouncing back and forth. And then when it takes off, it goes to 450. Then it comes back down. You know, it's just,
1: it's been frustrating for sure. Has been. All right. So
0: let's talk about the protein complex here a little bit. We we look at the, the cattle market again, it's kind of bouncing all over the place. There has been some support in the cattle market. I think you could probably look at some of these, uh, um, Chinese shipments of, of beef to China. We're seeing those. We're seeing some some hog shipments here and there kind of kind of going back and forth. I think last week we had like 91 million metric tons get shipped over to China, which not a big... 9,100. 9,100.
1: 91 million, okay. we'd be limited up for a couple
0: months. Right, okay. 9,100. I think it was. <laughs> all right, so... But got,
1: at least it was something. It was something, yeah.
0: right? So you've got all this stuff kind of happening, but again an exorbitant amount of volatility in there as well. So talk about what you see happening in the cattle complex.
1: Yeah, cattle um, have turned the corner a little bit seasonally. uh, Now's the time where you can see some better things in the cash market and cut out. We've seen that slowly. Uh, Cash cattle were up a buck last week, uh, so that was was good news. Futures are, uh, I don't know, four or five bucks off their lows here recently. So um, that heavy, heavy selling pressure uh, looks like it's behind us. The funds are kind of out of their um, big long position. They were near record long in cattle and it took two, two and a half months to kind of get out of that and it was a you know $15 break. But we're finally stabilized a little bit here. Uh, we just need to see some better things in the cash market to maybe have a little better rally in, in cattle. And they've been reluctant. Um, you know today they were down earlier. I'm not sure where they're going to close here, but you know they were 60, 80 lower, earlier live cattle. Feeder cattle are a head scratcher too. They're up near the highs of the last five or six weeks in here, but then you get a day where corn's down six, you'd think that'd give feeder cattle some support, and they puke a dollar. So there's, there's a lot of back and forth volatility in here. Um, it could be some ideas tied around um, you know, the world economy in general slowing down. The, the U.S. economy seems to be the, the bright spot uh, uh, in the world. And it's all relative, but the world economy, I think, is pretty well a general consensus that we're kind of slowing that thing down. So that could be something that's maybe tied, uh, why cattle market can't turn the corner and really put a big rally in. It seems like they're reluctant to do that, but at least off the lows. And hogs are the same way. You know, we had a $12 run-up. Uh, China was, I think, four weeks. They weren't in for U.S. pork sales. We've been shipping them pork um, pretty regularly. And then finally last week, last Thursday we get the, the China took the 9100 metric tons and the market pukes, right? And they were, you know, close to the limit down yesterday, We're down a couple bucks earlier. So, we're still really probably anything the hog market is the most confusing of all. And that huge run up, you know, some 40, 50% whatever the numbers going to be of of the Chinese hog herd gone. Um, still massive demand, record prices in China domestically. And they're taking US pork, but we're, you know, 20 bucks off the high. So it is a head scratcher um, as to what's going on. Bottom line, we're producing a lot of protein here, whether it's beef, pork, or poultry. Um, you know, that industry continues to get more efficient. And just slowly expand the pork industry is I think for at least four years if not five in a row of you know three four percent expansion, and so we're putting a lot of tonnage out there, and that might be part of the part of the reason. But it's going to be volatile if we get you know we talked about the Chinese trade deal and the market just kind of shrugs it off now, which means when it happens it's going to be a shock, and probably the market that has the most to gain would be uh, in my opinion hogs with you know, if China's they're taking pork already with mm-hmm. tariffs and, and, and this trade war. So if you take that off the equation, I would think that they're gonna go pardon the pun, hog wild and really ramp up yeah their purchases of US pork. So okay. that could be a good thing and that is gonna be a surprise if it happens. But uh you know, it's got to be a, a deal in ink right. before the market's going to pay much attention.
0: Yep, yep. Well, they've, they've you know, they've waived that, uh, what do they call it? Like a tariff, the tariff thing. They've waived that for the hogs over in China. They've, they've given a, a tax break or they're waiving the tariff or something like that. So that, that's helping things a little too, but until. It sounds like South America yeah. runs out of anything that they've got to sell down there. They're going to pretty much keep mine from South America. So,
1: Yeah, uh, and as long as this uh, trade war is going on, yeah. Brazil is going to be China's best friend, or at yep. least they're going to try to be. I'm yeah. not sure Brazil sees it that way, but right. China's going to try to make
0: Brazil their best friend. Yeah, they're going to do what they can to keep that. And they're going to yeah. buddy up to Argentina as well. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. So. Well, Chip, plenty of stuff going on. And you've alluded to it several times in here. There's a lot of moving parts here, and a plan is very important. So if folks want to talk to you about a plan or have you review a plan that they're working on, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best way is just
1: call our office, uh, 309-550-7213. Uh, having a plan is critical because the volatility is there. It's not going to go away and uh, you got to have a plan to navigate this thing. Uh, you got to know what you're going to do if and when the market rallies, you got to know what you're going to do when the market sells off. There's there's things to do both in both of those cases um, to be, you know, competitive and and get a strategic advantage, but you got to have a plan and execute it. And without a plan, you're just going to stick your head in the sand
0: and be a victim
1: of the volatility. So there's a way around that. Yep. All right. On.
0: All right. Well, Chip Younger, Bluey Fagg Marketing live from Morton, Illinois. So thanks for being you on bet. Again. Thanks for coming over. Yep. Take it easy, man. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out